0: Good
1: evening, sport zonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aglioloro. I am your host for this is Sport Zone. Recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment radio network of course we are rebroadcast and redistributed through all our various podcasting outlets so we thank you for joining us no matter how you join us google podcast apple podcast spotify stitcher tune in anchor bullhorn rate share like subscribe do all the things and we got a good show for you tonight we will be joined by dave hastings and eric tressler and eric pfeiffer in a matter of moments here we got a lot to talk about tonight. The division round of the NFL playoffs is in the books. We now know the teams that have made it to the final four, the conference championship round. In the NFC, both the Giants and the Cowboys got, well, the Giants got completely destroyed. Unfortunately, the Cowboys just blew every opportunity they had. So, In the NFC, it is the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the San Francisco 49ers. In the AFC, Jacksonville Jaguars did, in fact, lose to the Kansas City Chiefs at what cost for the Kansas City Chiefs. And they will be taking on what I think is probably one of the biggest shocks of the weekend, if not the biggest shock of the weekend. The Buffalo Bills, who were my pick to win the Super Bowl, Eric had them going to the Super Bowl at the beginning of this season. Completely stopped every step of the way by the Cincinnati Bengals as Joe Burrow and the Bengals dominate the Bills by a score of 27 to 10. And that is our conference championship, folks. So with that, we're going to wait a couple minutes here. Uh, for Dave and Eric to get here, I am going to kill a little bit of time here. And normally, this is the point where I would talk about something Mets related. Well, actually, I'm going to save what I was going to talk about till later. But we'll stick on the baseball thing for a minute here because I'm at least going to get this out of the way. They just announced um, the Major League Baseball Writers Association has voted Scott Rowland into the Baseball Hall of Fame to go with Fred McGriff, who was voted in by the Veterans Committee. I believe it was the Modern Era Committee last month. So that is your Hall of Fame class, Fred McGriff, Scott Rowland. Um, I've always thought that Fred McGriff is a Hall of Famer, but it is an underwhelming class, uh, to say the very least. Um, So it was definitely surprising. Carlos Beltran only gets 46.5% of the vote. Alex Rodriguez doesn't even get 40%. Todd Helton actually, um, Todd Helton came up just short. Billy Wagner actually moved his way up the rankings and Fred McGriff is three home runs short of 500 for his career cousin David. But I know the person who is here right now does not want to talk baseball Hall of Fame. So that's why we call it filler. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Hastings is here tonight. Dave, how you doing?
2: I mean, in all honesty, Mike, I can't say I really feel like talking about sports at all after Sunday night, but...
1: You know, that's a fair point there, Dave. <laughs> I can Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean... It... So I'm, I, I spent the weekend with my family, obviously, different portions of my family. Cousin David's in the chat right now. Saturday, I was with Cousin David and my sister. We went down to the city. Y'all saw the photos. We got to see Colin Quinn. And then after the show, I got to stand in front of the Ghostbusters firehouse. Fucking amazing. So that was awesome. And then that night, we get home. Uh, excuse me. We get back to David's place, and we watched the Giants get absolutely demolished by the Philadelphia Eagles. And then Sunday, I'm with my brother and his fiance. And yes, we're watching what happened with Buffalo and the Bills. And then comes the Cowboys 49ers game. And I'm going to let you talk uh, a lot about this. I'm going to be honest though, Dave. The only thing I'm going to say is Brett Maher and the missed field goal that got blocked anyway, or the missed extra point, excuse me, they got blocked anyway. That's not what cost us this game, in my opinion. Oh, I love No, I love Dak and everything, but the, this was the worst game I've ever seen him play.
2: Yeah, to, to have a performance like he had after the way he played against Tampa Bay,
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: that was just an embarrassment. Um, the defense gave it everything they had. They left it all on the field. Nope. You know, if you told me that by the, going into the fourth quarter, McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, Samuel combined would have been at less than a hundred yards, that you know, told me going into this game, San Francisco would have gotten held in 15 points. I mean, it was an overall embarrassment by the offense, but it really, it really went downhill after Pollard went down. Yeah, um, but I still. Overall, I blame the loss on the offense, um, specifically yeah. Uh, I don't think the defense deserves really any blame at all. I mean, even you know. the big catch by Kittle was just an amazing catch. Yep. Uh, Trayvon Diggs dropping an interception. Trayvon Diggs missing an opportunity to jar the ball loose when Kittle, Kittle made that sick catch. Some of the bigger names, outside of Michael Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, all their big names really failed to uh, show up and – yeah, here we are. Another disappointing season, seventh uh, divisional round loss in a row, uh, longest streak in NFL history of uh, losing divisional playoff games, and back to the drawing board, and probably in line to have the same experience or a similar experience next year. So,
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, it uh, uh... sucks and it's disappointing, but what are you going to do, right? And nothing we can do. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, I don't really know quite much more to add to it, but I will tell you, they, they had the opportunity to take this game with three minutes left, and I know me and this man were texting a little bit in the group chat. I'm going to welcome him real quick. Eric Tressler is here tonight. Eric, how you doing? I know he's there. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and I'll bring him in too. Eric Pfeiffer is also with us tonight. Pfeiffer, how you doing?
3: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
1: Well, we're in mourning. We'll get to you guys in a minute here, but we're we're getting our morning period out of the way first. Um, other than that, we're doing okay, though, I think. Um, but with about three minutes left to go, the Cowboys get the ball back, and I had just said to my brother, if they score a touchdown, they got to go for two points here. They got to go for the win. And then Eric checks. There's no way they don't go for two, right? And we start going a little back and forth, and then all of a sudden – it was the, the first two plays you knew they weren't winning this game. You knew they were giving the right ball back. And at that point I said, fuck the kicker. The quarterback is the reason we're not winning. Well, I don't remember exactly what I said, but that was embarrassing for Dak. Uh, the fact that they weren't even trying to run plays at that point. He, they, he was just straight heaving it. When we saw last year, the botch, with the time management as the game expired and everything, they were able to go 10 10 and 10 and drive downfield. And Dave, my biggest disappointment, I don't even think they really tried to do that. I don't, that think they
2: knew, I don't think they knew what to do once Pollard went down. I think when they created their offensive game plan getting ready for this week, it revolved around Pollard. And when it went down, the only resort they, or option that they thought they had was going to CD Lamb. Um, that's why you had that one big pass play where Fred Warner managed to man up against C.D. Lamb. But if you look to the left of the screen, you'll see T.Y. Hilton running down the seam all by himself and probably would have had a, a run-in touchdown. And all of a sudden we're looking at a potential tie game or Dallas with the lead. So I think it really just turned from, hey, we're going to run everything through Pollard and play off of the play action and all of that. And that's one of the other sickening stats, stats is – Go back to the game and look at Dak's stats uh, off of play action compared to non-play action, and it is fucking sickening. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, as a Cowboys fan, I was pissed. I'm still a little upset about it, but once you get used to something after some, you know, over almost three decades, you you learn not to lose too much sleep. So here I am.
1: Mm. Still doesn't make it any easier, though, I will say that, but we can move off of that. Eric Fife, I don't know if you guys got anything you want to throw in on that. If not, we can move on.
3: I unfortunately didn't get to watch that one um, because I was refing that night. So I was at the rink uh, when that one, you know, I basically I think I saw a couple plays to start it, but. I basically had left for the rink and I had to go get dressed and ready for the game. I I only caught a real quick uh, brief moment of halftime, and then I came out at the end when they were interviewing Kittle, and I assumed when they were interviewing Kittle that the Niners had won, and I just walked away. Mm.
1: I kind of thought you were going to say you were still in the process of thawing yourself out from your deck viewing or porch viewing of the Giants philadelphia game from the previous night and i'm just gonna let you and eric have it from there i'm not gonna say too much more on that one but we'll let you go first sir
3: uh actually i have to run into a store so can we let eric go first and i will be right out in about (laughs) two minutes yeah no
0: i want to go first anyway because i'm listening to you guys bitch about the cowboys i'll be be honest i don't really feel the same about the giants so, what I want to know is, I mean, listen, to you guys bitch and complain about Dak, you know, Dak's fault. Well, let me ask you then who would you rather have going into next season? Dak Prescott, or would you rather have Daniel Jones? Dak
1: Prescott. Pense I mean, Pre- I mean Prescott, but what I will say is your opinion before last week's game was you were okay with Daniel Jones on a short term deal. He's I think
0: three games this year where he's thrown over 230 yards. Three games all season. And two of them were against the Vikings. He's not good. He can't lead this team. He's not the guy. He had one good week. He came in. He played well against Minnesota. I'll give him credit for that one game. But anybody can come in for one game and do it. Can you do it consistently? And like I said, he needed to play well against the Eagles. Even if they would have lost, we're all expecting them to lose pretty much. I mean, I know I picked them, but. That was more just for fun and because I'm so far behind, it didn't really matter. But, you know, most people, you know, were smart enough that, you know, the Eagles were the better team, but we wanted a game at it. We wanted you to show up and play like you were supposed to be there. And Daniel Jones proved he, he that's not him. So that's the only negative I take away from it. And it's not even a negative because something I kind of already knew. But I, like, if it, I,
1: look. sorry. All I was going to say is, if I may, I think when you lose 38 to 7, I get what you're saying about Daniel Jones. I think that's really more of a team effort than no, something you no, can no, put on no, one. No,
0: no. They failed right out of the gate. They were down 21 Yeah, the defense did. It. No, no, no. But it wasn't just the defense, Mike. It was the offense. It was the play call on fourth and eight in the beginning of the game on their 40 that, that, that started the ball. They, they Daniel Jones just didn't have the confidence. And to me, if you want to blame somebody, I want to blame him. He had a shitty game. He had one turnover, no touchdowns, and the team didn't play well. Like, I'm sorry, they didn't. Like, it's not a good – it wasn't a good game. It wasn't a good – like, they both could have coached his heart out and he wasn't going to change anything. Philly was going to win that game because they were more talented. That's just the bottom line. The talent won over there. But it was the fact that you saw nothing good coming out of Jones. But as a Giants fan, it doesn't really matter. All this is gravy. Like, I've been saying all year, get to the, the fact that they even got to the playoffs. Whatever happened, happened. They happened to win a, a round great. Nobody saw this team as a Super Bowl team. So, as a Giant fan, they finished five and a half wins better than I expected them to. By the way, Dallas finished exactly where I expected them to. I think they had 12 wins, right? I think that's where I picked them at 12 and five to start the year. So, I mean, Dallas, is right where I thought they'd be. The Giants weren't. The Giants were surprised to me. They were surprised to everybody because I think I picked them the highest at seven wins this year out of everybody. And I think you did. Yeah. And, and they ended up exceeding that by five and a half games. So, I mean, Listen, it's been a great run. I look forward to see what Dable can do when he starts compiling more talent on this team. But I don't think that talent starts and ends with Daniel Jones. I like the fact that Barkley came out, said he's not trying to reset the market, not trying to do anything crazy. Would prefer to stay here if he we could. We'll see what kind of deal last year. that I think the Giants were offering him around the time of this year during the, the, their bye week. I think they offered him three years, $12 million a year. He was looking for something more like McCaffrey around 16 a year. I think they can end up settling somewhere around 13 or 14 um, and, and getting some kind of deal done there. If you want to franchise tag Jones and give him one more year to prove himself, maybe you do that. But I would be in the market for looking for a new QB or trying to trade him to maybe even package him with some picks to move up in the draft if somebody else thinks they can get value out of him. But I... I'm I think the Daniel Jones experiments about done. but that being said, I would much rather have Dak Prescott on my team than Daniel Jones. So I think you guys got just to realize that there's some hurdles here. And the other question, I guess I want to ask you guys is going into next year. I mean, they're, they're, they're almost kind of like carbon copies of each other, but I do think one is better than the other. Um, Sean Payton's been floated out there. And I know I think you'd have to give him some draft capital for him, but would you guys think about getting rid of McCarthy to bring in a Sean Payton, a more offensive minded guy or better offensive minded guy? Because to me, I think McCarthy wrote McCarthy wrote a lot of his success in green Bay off of the team that Holmgren built and then left and left for him. Like, I don't think that that team that he won with was all McCarthy. So in my opinion, I would prefer maybe to have Sean Payton, but I, as a Cowboy, not as a Giant. As a Giant, I'm fine with Dable. You leave us, you leave Dable right where he's at. But <laughs> um, as a Cowboy fan, would you guys prefer McCarthy over Payton? Would you prefer Payton over McCarthy? Or do you think that there's no real difference in either one? Mike, you want to go first on this one, bud?
1: I was going to let you go first. I'm gonna
0: be right.
2: nice. So oh, no,
0: after you, sir. No, after you. No, ladies first.
1: So yeah, no, gonna, that la- that last part wasn't necessary. Eric. You can be polite,
2: <laughs> Eric, Eric. When you asked Dak or Daniel Jones, I was gonna say I rather Dak with Dabo, so or Dable, whatever. Sorry, uh, I rather Dak with Dable because I think Dable. You saw what he did with Josh Allen, and you see what Josh Allen was this year. You saw what he did with Daniel Jones, and you saw what Daniel Jones was last year. So David obviously is having impacts on these quarterbacks that have the ability to move and, and be more than just a pocket passer. So if you want my dream combo right now, that's probably what I would take. But if we're going McCarthy or Payton, I'm taking McCarthy. Uh, and the reason for that is he's done enough to earn that. And the reason I say that is for several. If you look at the total games that he's coached where he's had Dak Prescott as a starting quarterback, it's a, a barely over 50% of the regular season games he's coached and had Dak as a starting quarterback. Yet he's still above 500 without Dak. Barely, but he's above 500. He's also the first Cowboys coach to get lead a team to back-to-back 12-win seasons since Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer. He's also the first Cowboys coach to win a road playoff game since Jimmy Johnson in 92. He's done more than enough to earn the right to keep that job. Uh, I do agree. I think a lot of his su- success in Green Bay was related to the team Holmgren left him with. Also, getting a Hall of Fame quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, like in the prime of his career, obviously helped as well. Um, but I think he's earned the right to keep that job. My, 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 wor- my concern with the Cowboys coaching staff is if they can retain Dan Quinn. Because I am pretty sure that man is going to get numerous head coaching offers. And Jerry Mm -hmm. is probably going to have to look at him and say, here's a blank check. We can't lose you. Because if they lose him, he turned that. That defense was literally the worst defense in their 70-year franchise history the year before he came in. And now for back-to-back seasons, they've led the league in pressures and turnovers and have been top three in sacks. Now, obviously, Parsons is playing a huge role in that. Uh, that's probably the only highlight of that game that I love is when he gave the right tackle of San Francisco, the, the old Reggie White club, and got underneath <laughs> his arm and literally body-tossed the guy that probably outweighed him by 100 pounds. Um, so, like, that, like, I don't think – it's to me, it's a no-brainer You Keith McCarthy. Sean Payton won one Super Bowl with Drew Brees, and other than that, they were, you know, they were winning 10 games, 11 games a year. And then his last two, three seasons, after Drew Brees was gone, he couldn't figure shit out, and they were a 500 team at best. So Sean Payton didn't walk away from the game some Super Bowl champion and just said, hey, I need a break. He was struggling, and I had a bad roster and bad salary cap and bad all this, and he said, fuck this. I'm not letting my legacy get ruined because of the shit that my GM put me through. So I just I, – I don't think there's any world that Mike McCarthy deserves to get fired.
1: I don't really have too much – different to say there. What I would say is I think if you look at him in a vacuum, I do think most people would take Peyton over McCarthy, even though it's funny in the pregame, they did a comparison between the two. And there really isn't too much of a difference in terms of their record. And you guys just kind of highlighted some of the reasons why, um, you know, and what they were able to do there. But I do think, like you said, Dave, McCarthy's done enough. I'm fine with him for another year. I'm fine with him over Peyton considering what he's been able to do the last couple of years, the change I would make, and you're absolutely right. You can't lose Dan Quinn. Um, I'm done with Kellen Moore. I think it's time for a new offensive coordinator. I know he's the only one Dak has really had since he's come in the league. I want to see what this offense looks like with a fresh set of eyes. I really do. Like you said, when Pollard went down, they didn't have a solution for it. And, I can forgive him for that, but there are just times I feel like this offense gets a little too stagnant. I just think it's time for someone else in the offensive coordinator role. You agree, disagree with that one?
2: I'd be okay with moving on from Kellen Moore. Mm. I really would. I I don't think – I mean, if you look at the Cowboys offense since he's been offensive coordinator, they're top ten in the league. It's not – I think their biggest issue is that the lack of talent on offense. Outside of C.D. Lamb and Pollard, who else do they really have? Michael Gallup was a shell of himself. And, look, do I expect them to be better next year after a full offseason and more time to recover from the ACL? I mean, you got to keep in mind, the dude tore his ACL just, like, a year ago, like a year and, like, three weeks ago. Like. Yep. So I do expect him to play, be better next year, but he's not a true number two wide receiver in my eyes. CD really is at his best in the slot. So you need another outside presence. I like Dalton Schultz, but he's not, I'm not trying to pay him the money that he's going to demand this offseason. I think they have some good young tight ends that are pretty talented. And that's another thing that hurt them in this game. They're the tight end Ferguson, who's had some big plays for them on a low key note, uh, strained his hamstring the practice before the game and had to be ruled out that hurt them too on offense but i mean to me unless zeke is willing to take a drastic pay cut he should be out the door he's nowhere near the person he used to be pollard is the guy that you should want or let them both fucking walk it's the easiest position to replace in football it just is like i'm sorry and it sucks because i i'm a huge zeke fan i've always liked the guy i'm a big pollard fan i like the guy they're running backs. There's short shelf life. life is short. So go go draft a speed guy in the in the draft. Go draft a pounder in the draft and you have your one-two combo without spending a bunch of money. So I mean if they get rid of Kellen Moore, I'm gonna be more than okay with it, but I'm more concerned about Jerry and Steven being cheap asses in the offseason like they are every year and sitting there with a bunch of cap space and nothing to do with it because they let all the good free agents go.
0: Fair
1: enough there. Fair enough. All right. Eric, I don't know if you had anything else to throw in there on that. Do we know if Fife is back yet?
3: I have.
0: No, a- I don't have anything to throw in on the coordinator role other than the fact that Saban's losing both of his coordinators at Alabama. Um, his offensive coordinator, who was, can you guys guess who his offensive coordinator was? You guys might have read the article today.
1: I didn't. It's not Sarkeesian, no. still, is it?
0: No, no. he's. It's way past Sarkeesian. Well, not way past, but past Sarkisian. Um, it, it's uh, a former NFL head coach, former Bill Belichick disciple. Oh, uh, right. It's O'Brien, Bill O'Brien. Mm-hmm. So he is going uh, back to the Patriots to be the offensive coordinator is where he's going. Mm-hmm. All
1: right, I, Eric. I will say I thought but of I, you because.
0: By the way, oh. by the way, not to, uh, just to finish off the point, though, Mike, real sure. quick, before you go. Um, the last time Alabama had to replace both their offensive and defensive coordinator, that for that next year they went on to win the championship. So I'm just gonna. <coughs> I'm gonna go oh, so <laughs> you want him to go? I, I didn't love his offensive style per se, so I was okay with him going. Uh but I mean, if you look at it in the last like bunch of years, oh wait, yeah, um, he, two years, right? He has he's had uh, six different offensive coordinator in the past eight years. He's had gone through Steve Sarkeesian, Mike Loxley, Brian Dable, who was an offensive coordinator under Nick Saban, uh, Lane Kiffin, and Bill O'Brien are now all either NFL head coaches or offensive coordinators or head coaches in a Power Five conference. So they're all either in the NFL as the head coach or an assistant, or they're coaching one of the top programs in the country. So he, Nick Saban just breeds, breeds some winners. So I'm going to say maybe Dable uh, coming from that tree I'm real happy with. But, uh, but yeah, so a little behind trees. gone. I'm just going to throw that out there. As, since you guys were talking about offensive coordinators moving, um, I happened to see that move today. Mm. Dable comes Uh, from both.
3: He comes from both Belichick and Saban. That's one of the reasons I liked him so much coming in. And the fact that he, you know, ran both sides. Um, I will say in the summer when they first made the hire, uh, I think there was a bunch of us who were disappointed that Flores wasn't the hire, but I think all that can be put to bed. Sure. Because I think they got the right guy, you know, Uh, as far as Barkley goes, first of all, The Giants are likely going to lose Kafka to – I think he's going in for an interview. He did a virtual interview, and now he's going in for an in-person interview in um, Houston. So it's likely that the Giants lose their offensive coordinator. They're going to have to fill that position. Um, What has come of this season now, uh, I agree with Eric. Like, they're playing with house money, you know, uh, playoff win, getting there, all very unexpected one thing I think that they really need to focus on next year is they were one and one against Washington. They were 0-2 against Dallas and they were 0-2 against Philly in the regular season. They need to focus on winning in their own division um, first. If they can do that, they give themselves a great chance to make the playoffs and maybe even host a game. Uh, Barkley likely I, the way I see these negotiations going is I don't think the Giants are going to meet what Barkley wants and, you know, I don't think Barkley's is going to take much of a cut from what he wants, so I'm uh, guessing that he's going to have a one more franchise tag year type, prove it type deal, um, where they're going to use their franchise tag on Barkley. Uh, I heard some things today—a two to three year deal. I know Eric, you didn't like that before. You were kind of starting to buy into it a little bit, and then I'm no, sure I'm last game speak, that... I'm totally
0: off of the Daniel Jones bandwagon. Yeah, he yeah, had to yeah. prove to me. He had to prove to me that he, yeah. he could step up and play. He didn't have to win right. this game. He's playing he against the best defense. He's,
3: He's playing saved. against the top two defense in the NFL. Doesn't matter. But, he and the game games plan, games the game plan, was, for over the game plan was horrible. three games
0: all year. The reason I that he was the reason he had a lot of in a is game. they limited his throws. They limited what he did. If you give him more weapons leg. and you give him more things to do, he's going to open back up for more fumbles and more yeah. interceptions. For me this is how Dable was able to was limit way him. Better.
3: You know, you had your time. The thing for me is his pocket presence was way better. Okay, Um, I enjoyed seeing him play this year. I liked the way he used his legs. I liked how when the pocket broke down, he got out of the pocket. He made some good plays throughout the year. I'm willing to give him two to three years. I still stand by that. I don't want him to get any more. There's a there's about 12 teams in the league looking for a quarterback right now. Let so somebody's probably going to come in and think he's you know going to be fine with their system or whatever. And if they offer him somewhere upwards of $35 to $40 million a year, I don't care how long it is, don't pay him that. Pay him around what you would pay him for a franchise tag. Or two or three years, and I'm okay with it. I'm not going to say I'm elated by it, but I'm okay with it because it gives, it still gives you time. You're not married to the man long term, and it We're still gonna, gives you time. Uh, if We he's have not a difference of opinion directly. here,
0: where I think they're going to franchise tag Jones, and I think they're going to sign Barkley at somewhere the fourteen million dollar a year range. They offered him a three, they offered him th- uh, twelve this million at the bye week. It, it's it's they cut the you cut the difference in the middle. And you can find a way to make it work, especially it for mean. a short-term deal for a running back. I think. But when fran- it's
3: cheaper, when it's Jones. cheaper to franchise your running back, you franchise your running back. Also, a guy no, who's really injured, not you want to, to see him play for another back. year. Look, I love Saquon to- Barkley more than the other guy, more than the next no, no, guy. No, no, no. It is but, though, because it's, but it's Saquon Barkley but franchise more in the long run rather than a Saquon Barkley franchise here and see dollars. What I'm yeah, but, saying yeah. is you're not listening to my words. You have to listen to my words. No, but you're not so listening. What I'm to- saying is, is it's twelve. It's around 12 to $13 million to franchise Barkley. I'm saying you can give Jones the same it would cost to franchise him for two or three years, and then you're not married to him. What is out there? Do you want Geno Smith, who refused an extension with Seattle? I don't want Derek Carr. I don't want fucking 46-year-old Tom Brady. I don't want Aaron Rodgers. Like, I don't want any of those guys. You're not going to get Lamar Jackson. It's a pipe dream. Plus, I don't want Lamar Jackson. I don't want a guy who only can play 12 to 14 games a year and has the same amount of wins in the playoffs as Daniel Jones. I Listen, don't want him. I don't want him. He I, want I, an I, MVP, good regular season player. The
0: difference of the way we think that the Giants are going to go. You think that the Giants are going to sign Barkley long term and I think they're going to franchise. I think it's going to go the other way. I think they're going to I think they're going to find a way to sign Barkley short term. And franchise Jones for one more year to see what he could do.
3: He did not prove enough. He was garbage in that game against the Eagles. The I'm sorry. And the, number the two whole defense. game plan was garbage. How many carries? I don't care. You're down 14 nothing in the first quarter. The Philadelphia's only weakness is defending the run. How many carries did the guy have? Like you're down 14 nothing. Start eating some clock. Go get a score. All right. The fourth and eighth call was fucking garbage. Garbage. You were at four, you were at third and three. All right, your quarterback tripped over an offensive lineman's leg who got dominated and pushed into the backfield as he was going to escape. And now you're fourth and eighth. You need to let that drive go, all right? So I put that on the coaching staff. You need to let that drive go and try and play the field position game no matter – you know, it was too early in the game to say we can't stop. Unless you went into that game thinking we can't stop them, then you really have no reason to – No, 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 but here's where like, – I not- understand they were moving the ball well on that first drive. They do it and then things kind of went downhill program. on that third and three. No, but you always here's how throw
0: I it explain up. it. I, well, let me explain it, though, and here's why I, I can not – I listen, do I love the calls at the call? I would have made no, Because can oh, I live with it? Yes, and here's why. Because of where they were on the field, you're talking a difference in field position of 15 yards. That's the way Dabo was looking at it as in his head. He didn't have a kicker who could make that field goal that long. And he didn't have a punter he could trust to put it inside without without getting a touchback. The Why difference not? in the yardage was 15 yards. In that case, I'm okay with him trying it for fourth and eight. It's oh, not God. that it, To me, it's not as egregious as everybody else is making it out to be. It's a bad call and That's not a call play. I would have made. Horrible. But I don't I think it's a call me. that cost because them the game. I think I it's a call that he was trying to get there, rally some momentum, yeah. No I pay my punter to be able to I pay evil. my
3: punter to be able to put the ball out of bounds. I pay my Can punter I? to be able to do that. They practice but he didn't that trust all day, him to do it. Every Listen day. To Dallas paid to
0: make extra points and he couldn't do it. So I mean it's just because you just, just as you pay do him, him to day. do
3: it doesn't mean that they're doing. It. That's what I'm doing. I'm having my punter pooch one. Pooch it into the corner. If they're inside the 10, I'm okay with it. You don't have to put them out at the 1 or the 2. Just get it inside the 10. Not that it's 30 yards.
0: There was no. No, winning. then you, there, then you there was, there was line
3: nothing. up. You line up. You hard count them. You take the five yard penalty, and you punt from there. Five yards back. You got a little bit more wiggle. It was. Like that, that's enough. football. One on not one. What fish. this, what this season has done.
0: What this it into the corner and just what have it inside the ten yard line. I get it that that's what they're paid for. But again, they're, they're guys who make extra points, and there's a guy who what missed five out of six of them. So I mean, yeah, I don't. So, so I don't know why they brought him back the
3: next. I mean, I'm cutting that guy, all right? But then, you know, I heard he missed the next extra point. Then I found he out it cut was blocked. Ricky
0: James, too, at some it point during blocked. the year. The guy did nothing but, hey, but, but drop balls in big games. I don't I'm I'm uh, inter-
3: know. He made some pretty good catches against Minnesota. See, that's the problem. Once you get this bias against somebody, you won't let it go. He made some very nice catches in big he moments made some against Minnesota. Play. Slayton he made dropped a terrible. terrible ball that could have milked the game out. But Richie James played very well in that playoff.
1: Slayton had some bad drops in that playoff game.
0: Slayton played awful too, but he's a free agent. Bye. See ya. Again, the but, Giants were devoid of talent. So, what Dable's going to have a really hard time doing, And but this well, is what they really brought him it. in for, is to start bringing in talent and talent that he could coach up. Let him but, bring
3: in his team. Let these guys from the old regime walk. That's what I'm they getting. They didn't at.
0: fit. Let they, them have,
3: have they have a successful season where they go and they win a playoff game. So, now all the pressure is on that coaching staff. If they have anything less than a playoff berth next year, there's going to be a lot of people. I'm not saying I'm one of them. I'd have to see how the year plays out. I don't just make a decision based off whether or not they made the playoffs. But if they don't have something near what they had this year or better, that's not going to be a good look for them. And people are going to start to turn because this is New York, and that's what happens. I love him. I think he's the right guy for the job. I think he should have the time to do it. They don't really have – The cap that next year, they're going to have the cap. What I would like to see them do is there are two players that are in unique kind of situations to each other. Uh, Both are potential number one receivers. One I absolutely love. One I don't like as much, but I wouldn't mind having them on the team. The one that I don't like as much, but wouldn't mind having them on the team. And this is a trade for This is not... These guys have one more year left on their contract. One of their teams is in a rebuild mode. The other team is not going to be able to re-sign them for what they're going to be worth because they are a legit number one receiver. The team in the rebuild mode is the Colts, right? You could see Michael Pittman Jr. get traded because they are in full rebuild right now and they're likely not going to re-sign him after next year. So if they can get some type of value in return for him, whether it be a third or fourth round pick or something like that, they'll probably move Michael Pittman. The other guy that I love that I would love to see in the New York Giants. And I, I got to give Tiki Barber credit because this is who I heard this from. And I was like, ah, what the hell is Tiki talking about? Then when he said it, it clicked for me. It made sense. Is T. Higgins. T. Higgins is going to be in the last year of his deal next year. They are going to be Burrow Jamar Chase over there, and they're going to fill in the rest. T. Higgins is a legitimate number one receiver. He was before Jamar Chase got into the league then Chase came in and sort of took over. But if you watch those Cincinnati games and you watch a lot of red zone and all that, you see him flash over to Cincy Higgins. When he's out there is making some big plays. That's a guy that I think the giants would be able to acquire in the offseason via trade to put a, a weapon out there because Kenny Galladay wasn't the guy what they have now. Hodgins is I think a good number two or three receiver. He's not a number one, although he did well filling in that role as the season played out. As you can see, They blanketed him with some good corners against the Eagles, and he did nothing. So you get a guy like T. Higgins, he's not a guy that you can easily shut down. But I did not like the game plan. The defense, I don't know where the hell they were. They didn't show up. But they got dominated in the trenches. Their only chance was to win the trenches and win the run game, and they didn't do it. They had those two big boys down the middle. Um, I know Aziz was limited, but you got to – try and get on the field for this game as much as possible. Um, Their secondary was back. I think letting Bradbury walk was a decision that was made by the new regime that, you know, they kind of had to do it, but it would have been nice to have Bradbury on our side instead of their side. But I can't put that game on Daniel Jones. They lost 38-7. to That's not Daniel Jones' fault. No, no, it's a team game. It's a team game.
0: I'm not saying it's not – I didn't say it's all on Daniel. I just said per per his performance – I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be so quick but to I, offer so 30 million a
3: year. I put that more on the game plan. I think the game plan was horrible. Um, you know, there was that when the Jags came back from the Chargers, uh, from that when they were down to the Chargers in the first round, um, one of the comments that I heard from a commentator was that Doug Peterson had to tie a string around his finger, you know, joke, metaphor, whatever, um, to remind himself to continue to run the ball. Down 27-0, Jacksonville continued to run the ball, and that's how they worked their way back. Uh, They had some big plays and big moments, big throws from Trevor Lawrence in that game. But it ultimately was the fact that they stayed disciplined and they kept using the run game. And I thought that was the biggest mistake of the game for the Giants as a whole as to why they weren't able to keep it close. Because you have a dynamic guy like Saquon Barkley. You have a Matt Breida who's no slouch. I mean, I know he didn't get a lot of opportunities this year, but the guy can run the ball. So you have a one-two punch there that that should have been the game plan, I thought, even going into the game. Um, so I think that maybe what happened was maybe they go into it and, you know, Dable, saying, Dable and Wink and Kafka are saying, hey, we're not a Super Bowl team. Let's make this kid win the game for us and see what he does, which he did, you know, obviously. Um, The ball didn't move very well, other than that first drive, you know, Philly went down and scored and then it looked like the giants were going to roll right down the field. And, you know, I was a little bit confident at that point, but I think when they went down 14, nothing, they panicked, they dropped the ball and they should have kept running. Uh, They didn't start running, but they should have started running. Uh, And I think that's where everything went wrong. I think it was as, as good of a coach as he was this year. And as good as, you know, I believe he deserves the NFC coach of the year honors and all that garbage, Um, he dropped the ball in that game. The offensive game plan and the head coach and the offensive coordinator dropped the ball in that game.
0: Mm.
3: I don't put that – I mean, it's the players got to go out there and execute. I understand that. But I don't think they went into the game with the proper game.
0: Yeah, listen, blame shared all around. But I think the one thing we can agree on at the
3: end of the day is neither of us are that upset with the loss. No, I mean, I'm upset as to how bad it was. You know, you go into that playoff game and you're hoping that your team's going to fight for you, you know, Uh, sitting outside in the cold, drinking beers like, what am I watching here? Um, But, you know, I'm not upset that they were there. I'm upset at how it played out. This is the first time I would say in my life, all the bad seasons before the last Giants game of the year, no matter what. I mean, every Giants game I watch start to finish unless I got to work or something, you know but I've always tried not to work on Sunday so I can watch my Giants. Um, This was probably the first time that I can remember the last Giants game of the year where I did not watch the last five minutes. Like I did not watch the entire game. Usually, even with the Joe Judge era and 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 the McAdooch and the people before and the Shermer and all those bad teams, I've sat there and I've watched the game as hard as it was till the end. Another thing that came from this for me was I always had my hatred for Dallas and Philly on the same level. And I don't know if you felt this way during this game. My hatred for Philly has grown larger than my hatred. Don't worry, guys. I still hate the Cowboys or the (laughs) Brokebacks or whatever. Don't worry about that. I still hate them. But my hatred for Philly has exploded after that game because not only did they beat us, they fucked with us. All right, they lined up for it for a fucking two-point conversion up to 27 nothing and then called timeout, kicked the extra point. That was a head game, man. That was screwing with us. Um the the punt when they went to go punt and then they audibled and they ran up and they tried to hard count them and then they went and let the time run down, took the 5 yards and then punted anyway. Like all that felt like uh they were so from between that and the Nate Sutfeld situation My hatred for Philly has grown exponentially. And it used to be more so for Dallas because when I was younger, they were successful. Philly's never really been successful. The thing is, is when Philly is, like, I think what Dallas has gone through over these last however many years, what is it, like 20-something years? 28. As humble. Like, Dak Prescott, as much as I hate Dallas, Dak Prescott is a humble guy, and I can appreciate that. These Philly cocky sons of bitches, uh, and I apologize for all my profanity, but I just did not feel like they played with a professional level of sportsmanship. And maybe they don't have to, but I felt like the messing with They the never Giants, do, they though.
0: That's, that's the and thing. And
3: that's the thing. They <laughs> all are always cocky whenever they're good. Like, and that kills Always. That
0: this kills goes me. back to, this goes back to me being in college back in the early 2000s when they had that run 2003, four or five, whatever it was. And every, you know, they were in the NFC conference championship game. And I'm in, I'm in college down at Ryder and I had a lot of friends who were in Philly. So we'd go down to Philly and you go to the bars down there and like, literally I went into one bar and this old guy pulls me into a different bar and pulls out this book that he made with every clipping of every win they've had from the newspaper they're fucking insane like they are they're 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 slightly demented some of them and i hate to say that but like because i i love some some of those people i know from philly and other great people but man when it comes to sports there's something just there's a screw loose with these people i don't get it and like that's why like it's i'm totally with you that and maybe this will – I'm sure it doesn't upset Dave or Mike at all to hear us say this, but I'm totally on board with you that, that my hatred for – it just – it extends beyond the the egos, though, and goes to all of Philly sports. Like, wow. Philly sports yeah. to me have now overtaken Boston sports as, like, the one fan base, like, I just don't want to listen to. Like, I just I, don't want to, like, be around. I,
3: this, I've this said push it, wasn't even for me about the fans, dude. This push was for the way that Nick Sirianni handled himself. Well, it's the, the whole way, city. It's their swagger. It's the way, yeah. it's the way all just, of them are. You look yeah, at
0: Joel Embiid, right. he's the same way. You look at any of these guys down there in Philly. I mean, I, I can't speak for the for their hockey club as much with the Flyers. Yeah, fuck I, I haven't followed Flyers. them as much. But yeah, fuck the Flyers anyway. Black. Yeah, nobody I've knows a shit about them. And then the Phillies. I mean, the Phillies had their own swagger about them, you know, with Bryce Harper and and Schwarber and those guys and, and the run they made. The whole city's got that swagger. So it goes from the players to the fans and everybody feeds off of it.
3: One bridge non-city motherfuckers.
1: I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The only good things that ever came out of Philadelphia sports-wise is Allen Iverson and the Rocky movies. That's it. That's I it. used to
3: say this too, Mike. There, because you know, I do like a Philly cheesesteak, but I also love Jersey cheesesteaks, and I always compare. I said their their sports teams are a lot like their cheesesteaks. Uh, mediocre at best.
0: I'm gonna have to meet you at Meatheads one day. We're gonna have to like you. Know, we're gonna have to like meet there. Like you go from your house, we go from mine. We're gonna meet there for like lunch one day. All right. <laughs> Nice. I'm telling you, that Meatheads place is legitimate for a new York, like it's it's a damn good cheesesteak. If you guys are ever in the Lawrenceville, Princeton area in New Jersey, there's a place called Meatheads, and it is I did make the drive one day and let me tell you it was worth I think it was worth the drive. Like I wouldn't make that drive all the time, but if I have a hankering for a cheesesteak and it's a Saturday afternoon, I don't got nothing to do, I might make that drive. So I'm just saying, so I'm totally with you that there's some damn good Jersey cheese steaks still.
1: Okay. I think with that, we will move on here. And very briefly, we'll talk about the AFC because yes, there was another conference that played football on Saturday and Sunday. You had the Kansas city chiefs getting past the Jacksonville Jaguars at what cost, though? because Patrick Mahomes comes out of it with a high ankle sprain even if he plays this Sunday he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes at 100% and that's that's a bad situation right there and then on the Sunday game yeah we've talked about changing narratives and all that stuff and unfortunately the narrative with the Bills still doesn't change Joe Burrow the Cincinnati defense dominated the Buffalo Bills from start to finish 27 to 10.
0: I got to say, that to oh, me was the uh, biggest or, disappointment of the weekend. I'm jumping ahead of yeah. Dave here because that was. No, I, I, like I, I met you, actually. I meant bigger you, disappointment, actually. Bigger disappointment than the Giant loss. Bigger disappointment than anything this weekend was the way that Buffalo came out as flat as they did. And uh, they were at home. There should have been uh, Hamlin's up there in the stands. They, like, I don't know if they were over emotional and something got to them and they just, but whatever it was, the, this was not the competitive football team that we had seen all season uh, for most of the game anyway. And uh, it was really, uh, I felt like probably one of Allen's you know, worst games too. Like, I, I don't know. He didn't, he didn't play well in my eyes. So like I, to me, this whole game was a disappointment because especially after the hype, like you thought this team could have been a team of destiny. And instead, They come out and get rolled over like that. Uh, And and a lot of it plays into, I think the Bengals felt disrespected. They kept hearing about all this neutral site game and how the NFL had already come out and said they sold all the tickets and it was a sellout for the neutral site game and this, that, and the other. And the Bengals are sitting here going, well, if we win, there is no neutral site game. So why are we talking about a neutral site game before this game's even played? So I think it put an extra chip on the Bengals shoulder and really turned the tide here and got it to where I think that it was it, it, with as flat as the Bills came out and as, as you know, revved up as the Bengals were, the Bills almost didn't have a chance. And it kind of played out that way. But, yeah, no, that, this game was my biggest disappointment. I expected more from this Bills team. And uh, the fact that they came out so flat on such an emotional day. Uh, Definitely has to be the biggest disappointment of the weekend. As far as uh, Mahomes' ankle goes, absolutely tragic because now I think it robs us of the AFC Championship game next week. It's a high ankle sprain, and he's going to try to play through it, like Favell did before. He's going to strap it up. He's going to do his best to get out there and try to do what he could do for his team, but. Uh, two things. One, at what cost? You have to make sure that at least medically, you know, it's as bad as it's going to get. And really, you know, you're not going to be able to do permanent damage. Those are not going to do that then sure suit up and play. But number two, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Patrick Mahomes has more touchdowns outside of the pocket than any other quarterback in the league. And for a guy with a high angle sprain, I don't know how much out of the pocket he's going to get. And I think it really hinders that KC team. I mean, I think you guys are kind of hearing where I'm leaning here, but I just think that that you see it open up as a Kansas City favorite and then the high ankle sprain and now all of a sudden, you know, Kansas City's a two point, maybe even two and a half point uh, underdog now. You know, so not that Kansas City can't win, not that that Mahomes can't turn it on and make something special happen even on on, uh, sprained ankle, but it's definitely going to be a lot harder because the Bengals have definitely been clicking on all cylinders lately. So I think it plays big into this AFC Championship game. Uh, Mahomes' is injury, and I think it definitely makes you look at this game as probably the one you want to watch least of the two this weekend, in my opinion. This is the one I kind of like, knowing that Mahomes is hurt now. I'm like, eh. I, I think that the I think the Eagles-San Fran game could be a better game.
1: I'm not going to argue with you on that one, especially if it is Chad Henney, the starter. Dave, what do you say?
2: I mean, first and foremost, Chad Henney led him on a 98-yard touchdown drive, and that was the longest touchdown drive in Kansas City Chiefs postseason history. So, yeah. You can't act like Chad Henney can't go out there and play a decent game. It's just he just doesn't hold the candle to Patrick Mahomes, but who in the NFL really does? um but I do I, I really think Eric really kind of hit on everything right on the head, right like I could sound like a broken record and repeat what he was saying, but when it's very simply put, I mean Cincinnati came out against Buffalo um with a real chip on their shoulder due to that whole neutral site game Buffalo was a total letdown knowing that you know it was the first time that uh DeMar Hamlin was able to make it to the stadium and he went into the locker room before the game like, there's a lot of things that, that they had a chance to ride, uh, and t- being home, p- playing in the snow. I mean, we can keep going on and on. So, I, I do think it was a disappointing loss for Buffalo. I think, as a Cowboys fan, I'm just biased, um, on why I would put the Cowboys losses worse. But anyway, um, but yeah, that was pretty disappointing, uh, for Buffalo and something that they're going to look back on and regret. I feel bad. Yeah, somebody. Somebody posted a picture of Stefan Diggs after the AFC championship game when they lost to Kansas City three seasons ago, if you include this season. And they just captioned it with, uh, this dude hasn't moved in three years. Um, and I thought that was one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen. Um, but besides that, yeah, that, that blows. Kansas City, I, that Mahomes high ankle sprain, you saw the difference in the game. Uh, how they were, how he was playing. I mean, at one point, I think the first play after he hurt the ankle and he tried to hand off the ball, he had to hop on one leg cause the pain was so bad. Um, so they're going to need some really strong pain injectors and a lot of things to help him, you know, get past that feeling. But even with all that, I just, it's going to be bad. I feel bad, but Kansas city was clearly the, the better team, um, than Jacksonville, even though Jacksonville kept it close, um, but if I'm Jacksonville fans, hey, I think you, you got the feeling that Trevor Lawrence is going to be your guy, and now it's a matter of continuing to build that team to become one of the better teams in the AFC as a whole.
1: Right on.
0: Fife, what do you say? Uh, I mean, real I quick, Fife, while you're, while you're talking about this, I want to throw this in here for you. You talked about wide receivers who could be on the move with as upset as it seemed like uh digs was after the game yeah. and the fact that like he walked Absolutely. out before the coaches even walked in a player yeah. had, one of the players had to run out and get him bring a him practice back left a yeah. Him. so what are the chances that I maybe he's become that. a little disillusioned maybe there's something because of the relationship that dable and shane have with the people in buffalo could a deal be worked out there and would you want stefan digs to come in because he is a number one, but I know he's getting older, so I wanted to get your opinion on Stefan Diggs, possibly, because I do think that there is, with that relationship, they might be able to make something work. If might there be. was a move
3: to There might be. That was one of the things I was going to say, was I was going to bring up the Diggs thing. Uh, you know, the fact that he left the locker room, had to be brought back in by a practice player, that kind of... I mean, I love Stefan Diggs. I think he's a great player. Um, I think... I. It's hard to say because, you know, depending on where the quarterback situation goes, you know, um, if we had a Stephon Diggs, would I then want an Aaron Rodgers, you know, type of, type of question, I guess. Um, because he's going to bring in a guy like that who is going to blow up on a Josh Allen I and mean, you got to have the right guy throwing him the ball. Uh, so it's tough. It's tough because you can't, when something like that enters a locker room and it starts to go the wrong way, we've seen it. Um, You know, one guy was able to turn that around. That was Eli Uh, back when Burris and Shockey used to be up in arms against him. And and then finally they got rid of Shockey, who was one of my favorite players Uh, not to go back to the giants constantly, but that's one way I can remember where, you know, somebody was able to kind of bring the locker room Coughlin and and Strahan and all those guys were able to bring the locker room back together uh, on one common goal. Uh, do I think Dable can do that? Yeah, but I think if you're gonna bring in a guy like Diggs, you're gonna have to have the right guy throwing him the ball, or it could go south very fast. Um, I personally like honestly, not saying that maybe he's a better receiver, but he could be damn near the same caliber is that's why I was so high on like a T Higgins, because of the situation there because they know they're not going to be able to re-sign him. So do they get one more year out of him? I think a lot of that's going to have to do with whether or not they win the Super Bowl this year. If they don't win the Super Bowl, they may want to hang on to T for his last year in his contract see if they can get that combination back to another dance. Um, but I don't know, man. That's a tough one. I'd have to sit on that for a while, because I did think about that right away, too. Like, well, if Tiggs is pissed, let's bring him here. But with the connection with Abel and all that stuff. But um, – I'd have to know that he was he was mentally in for it if something went wrong, you know, and he wasn't going to turn. As far as that Cincinnati Buffalo game goes, I'm not sure if anyone else picked him. I picked Cincy. I was not surprised at the outcome of that game, one iota. And uh, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything, but uh, ever since about you were
1: one, the only one.
3: Ever since about week twelve or week thirteen, uh, Josh Allen just hasn't been playing. Actually, Trevor Lawrence has been better. Uh, Josh Allen has turned the ball over a lot the last five weeks of the season or so. Um, he just has not been playing great football, and I think that's one of the reasons Fife. why Diggs had such a problem.
2: Fife, just to drive your point home, you know, there was so much national media coverage on Dak Prescott's interceptions. Josh Allen actually had more turnovers over the second half of the season yeah. than Prescott did, but it was because of fumbles. He threw, he threw one less pick but he fumbled the ball like four times. I think Dak didn't fumble it once.
3: Right, like Josh Allen was not playing to the caliber that Josh Allen played last year, especially in that those playoffs. Like last year, he had a great playoffs. He, he also did not play well against Miami. Um, just they were um, that much better of a team versus Miami where they could get away with that. So the sloppiness of that Miami game kind of drove it home for me. Plus the fact that Joe Burrow just finds ways to win in big moments. Like I respect the hell out of that. Um, I like Burrow, Uh, you know, I give it away right now. I'm picking them over the Chiefs, healthy Patrick Mahomes or not. Uh, They've done it already, and I think they're going to be able to do it again. There's something about that team. Dude, they were down three offensive linemen. They had three backup offensive linemen. And I'm, I'm willing to say that I don't think that right now there's a quarterback in the league that plays in the pocket, and I know he can get out. He can scramble. He can run. He's got some legs. I don't think there's a guy who manipulates the pocket better in the league right now than Joe Burrow. It's like a young Tom Brady and a, and a, a young Peyton Manning with, with fucking wheels. Like he can get out and he can run for 7, eight, nine, 10, 11 yards and pick up big first downs on third down with his legs. But he manipulates the pocket. He moves around in the pocket, which is a huge help to, uh, you know, three-second string offensive linemen. So I'm willing to say that I don't think there is a quarterback in the league right now who plays inside the pocket and can manipulate the pocket with those small steps. You know, we talk about those small steps. A guy moves, his chops his feet one or two times to the left or to the right, and the next thing you know, the pocket resets. Like, I think he does that better than anyone in the league right now. And I think that's what wins them playoff games. That's what helps them when, like, remember last year they didn't have a good offensive line. And I think his footwork is what, compensates for the lack that they have on the offense as far as the mahomes injury goes i did hear somebody say um what would you rather have mahomes on one leg or it was either jones or prescott on two and i think the whole panel in that show that i heard say it was like mahomes on one leg you know but That said, it's a much, I don't want to say easier, but when you roll your ankle or you get that high ankle sprain in game and you hop around and you move around on it, you jog around at halftime and and you keep it working, you can kind of play through that. What hurts it is that night you sleep and it stiffens up. And then that whole week, you're going to be off that whole week. You're not playing in a football game. I think those injuries are actually easier to play through as long as there's no tears or, or anything like that. I think they're easier to play through in the moment when it happens because adrenaline will kick in, especially a big playoff game like that. I think he's going to be a little bit hobbled. I think, you know, it's the NFL. They have the proper things to inject into his ankle to make it numb. But he's still going to have problems. But I don't attribute that to why I, I'm going to pick Kansas City or I'm going to pick Cincinnati over Kansas City. I just think that they're a team that knows how to win and that Joe Burrow is an X factor whether people want to admit it at this point or not, I think more people do than don't. Um, I just feel like that guy can win football games for you. And with the weapons that he has and uh, what he's turned Hayden Hurst into uh, a legitimate tight end weapon and those two guys on the outside. And then he's got uh Tyler Boyd to pick from or Irwin, that little the little Irwin guy makes some big catches for them in big moments, whether it be down by the goal line or on third down, that kind of go under the radar. like. And then you have Joe Mixon. I just feel like aside from their problems on offensive line that he compensates for, the Bengals offense is probably one of the more complete offenses. And then they come in with a very good defensive scheme um, that sort of hides their weaknesses on defense. If that makes any sense. So I just feel like as far as a complete team goes in the AFC, they got to be it right. Now.
1: And the only thing, Oh, I didn't even realize he got kicked out. Okay. The only thing I will throw in on that is I feel like last year with what Burrow did, everyone was still kind of like, well, he's, he's brought himself to be third best QB in the AFC. I think right now, you have to kind of look at things and realize, no, Burrow is probably the best non-Patrick Mahomes quarterback in football right now. Allen's taking a little bit of a step back, at least in my eyes there. Um,
2: and really quick, just want to point this out for anybody that is out there listening that don't no. it's Cincinnati or you know Joe Burrow. Like He's been playing how he played on Sunday or Sunday right yeah sunday yeah
3: mm-hmm.
2: he's saying how he's played on sunday for the last like 10 11 weeks like he has been playing great football for almost three straight months now
3: so this remember- is
2: like he had a good game like no this dude has been balling for like three months
3: legit yeah. and if i remember correctly this is sort of what happened with them last year they started out a bit slow Um, He was getting knocked around a lot. And then somewhere within the first, you know, after the first month or two of the season, all of a sudden, boom, things just Mm -hmm. started to click.
0: The difference this year was he he didn't play as well. I don't feel like when Chase was out, I could be wrong, but I feel like Chase missed some time and that's when he he wasn't as good. And then when Chase came back, he was, uh, you know, him and Chase together are very good, but I think he's, he is, a lot to me dependent on Chase, in my opinion. Actually, know, you know, though. really no? quick, I got a, a an
2: interesting question for you guys that's more overall football in general. After what we've seen, when you put Chase and Burrow on the field together and you put Tua and Waddle together, how many of these NFL teams are going to start considering – drafting the number one guy from the school that their young quarterback played at because they played two years or three years together and you know and maybe came out the same year or a year apart because that's what it, like I, I think mean,
0: that's,
2: that's an interesting mindset because I know when they when they first and drafted, it's not
0: just them Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts as well
2: uh, yeah like I mean, AJ Brown changed that Eagles' offense. No disrespect to Devontae Smith, but AJ Brown's the reason. The reason that offense is was what it was this year compared to last year.
3: You have a guy you have to double, which opens yeah. everybody else up. Yeah, him staying. Yeah, healthy but I think he still had over a
0: thousand yards that. as a rookie, and I think like ninety-eight
3: cat- or like not around ninety catches. He had a good rookie year. Well, oh, you're not wrong. I'm the just saying as the far... connection was definitely there. Like you're not wrong at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, but I, I, I think
0: there's something to it and that's why I wouldn't be surprised. I'm going to throw this out exactly. there real early, well before the draft, that it might be smart for the Jets to think about, especially if he falls, because right now the way it looks like, it looks like Bryce Young and then Will Levi. A couple other quarterbacks are ahead of C.J. Shroud. C.J. Shroud is a very good quarterback out of Ohio State and – it wouldn't be bad for the Jets to think about if they could bring in an offensive minded, you know, a good offensive coordinator to work with them. They just drafted their number one receiver last year. So you would be able to put Shroud back with his number one.
3: I mean and, then, to and me then that you would know, make a lot of sense. You know who comes out uh the year after Stroud? Who's that? His new number one receiver, who is Marvin Harrison Junior. I mean, oh, we to yeah. talk about pro-pedigree. pro, pre- pro pedigree. And I've seen that guy make some amazing plays in college football, being a Big Ten fan. Um, so they have an opportunity where if they took a C.J. Stroud, not only would they have his number one from the year prior, but then next year they might also be able to draft, you know, because he's rookie quarterback. There's no guarantee they're going to not have a top ten pick again next year. Uh, they're, they might be able to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and then – that would be even more like that's like copycat times two right there. Cause it is a copycat mm. league. And I believe Dave makes a very good point that um,
1: the, the only, start doing that. the only thing I want to throw in on that is I, I agree. I think it's a trend that we're going to concede, continue to see for probably the better part of the next decade. I, I want to point out something you all kind of mentioned there. Devontae Smith with Jalen hurt. Yes. Having AJ Brown open things up in terms of the double teams. Um, Waddle with Tua, you brought in Tyreek Hill, it kind of did a little bit of the same thing there. With Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, you still have two really good guys in T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I think it helps for familiarity with the younger quarterback, but I do think depth is still important, though.
0: Well, yeah, but it would be the same if you were talking yeah. about the Dallas this year. If they would have kept a, um, Cooper instead of trading him, I think you yeah. would have had a better season because you would have Cooper and Lamb and it would have been a better year for Dak and a better year, uh, maybe even better year in the playoffs for you guys. Who knows? But I think you we guys were all saying up that from by the tra- start. By trading, by, trading, uh, by trading Cooper.
3: I have a question yeah. for you guys, and it's in regards to a team that I know is still playing next week. But uh, And I don't want to get too far into the offseason, but you're the general manager of the San Francisco 49. And you just had this kid, Mr. Irrelevant, come in and make himself relevant. You also have a guy that you drafted very high in Trey Lance. Obviously, Jimmy G is going to be cast off of this whole situation. He's going to be somewhere else um, to start next season. But if you're the San Francisco 49ers, and this is a quick question, are you holding both? Are you picking one and moving the other? Like, what do you do? I'd hold both. I'm holding both.
2: starting
1: I think you kind of have to.
0: No, I, I, to be honest, I think I'm trading Garoppolo because I don't think you're going to have another year where his trade value is as high as it is now. There's a lot of teams out there that could be clamoring for him. I That's assumed, though.
3: Him. Yeah, but I That's, see him cast off. It's like, not uh, really yeah.
0: assumed because I really do think that I think the Jets would be stupid enough. I think Salah would be a guy who's worked with Garoppolo before, coming from San Fran, that would think about bringing him in. So, no, I I think that there are teams out there that would bring him in. And so, no, I'm not going to call that
3: crazy. I think he's going to be cast off. Like, I don't think he's going to be in a San Francisco uniform next year. But what I'm asking is, if you're the GM, are you holding both Trey Lance and Brock Purdy? Or are you going to try and get some value?
0: There's no no harm. No, no, there's no harm in holding – both of them right now, because Purdy's Mr. Irrelevant. So he's getting paid peanuts. Garbage. So to hold both of them, you're not hurting your cap whatsoever. So, one no, I'm not getting rid of one and possibly giving somebody a star. I'm holding both and going to see what happens. Because yeah. right now, Trey Lance has to be able to stay healthy enough to be on the field. And who knows? He may wally pip himself and not even get the job back. So if Brock Purdy leads this team to a Super Bowl, he's probably going to be your week one starter next year. I think, I think much like you think, Garoppolo is somewhere else, and I think Trey Lance is on the bench wondering if he'll ever get the chance to start again. And no I think that's where we end up.
3: Coin flip, Garoppolo, Daniel Jones, you got to take one.
0: No and it's only because it's, it is only because of the age and because of the health I am going to take Daniel Jones because I do not trust garoppolo to stay healthy and if i'm not mistaken he's at least 33 right now 32 like he's older he's, he's been around a league a while so um, trey
3: Lance or daniel jones
0: tra- uh, if trey lance is healthy going into next year if he if he's then i'm picking trey lance i, I would rather see because i think he's got more talent and i want to see what Dable can do with that talent
1: i'd take daniel jones all day in that scenario that's I crazy, Mike. Okay.
2: I draft a new quarterback.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's what—that's what I would honestly like to do, Dave, because I think that they This is a good quarterback class. Um, I think they're with the right coaching. There are some gems in here, and I would like to see what Dave Will could do with that. Starting fresh with the guy that he picks, not a guy <laughs> like Allen, who he comes in and coaches up. Not a guy like Dave and Neil Jones, who he didn't get the. Pick, but now he's got to again coach up. I want to see what he could do when he goes out and handpicks his own talent and the the level that he could get that talent to. That's what I want to see because I don't trust the way the Giants used to draft. Um, Eric, I'm
3: also, it's not a gonna hard break, It's not it's not going to break my heart, Eric, if they find a way to move up and get themselves a CJ Stroud if they don't if they don't sell everything for it. Like I'm, I'd actually be okay with that as a Giant fan. Especially if the next year, because I'm just all in. Yeah. Mar- yeah Marvin yeah, Harrison Jr. Like, I am. And listen, in I'm on in on Marvin
0: your Harris- train of thought. I'm in for that. You know me, I'm a Bama guy, but I'm in on your train of thought. If we happen to get a CJ Shroud, if the Giants were to go that way and draft a guy, um, then yeah, I, I am with you there. And yes, I think that uh, we're on the same page. That I would be perfectly happy next year going hard to get a Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, even if you had to trade up to get him. Uh, You're talking I think a wide
3: receiver who's been conditioned to be a pro his entire life.
0: Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's tremendous. Uh, no, I know. Uh, I, I love that train of thought um, and I'm I'd be totally for it. All right. All right. I
1: think with that, it is time for picks here. Picking the conference championship games this coming weekend. Um, so to go down last week's records, Dave went three and one with his picks. Eric went one and three, myself and Mr. Pfeiffer both went two and two, and this is going to be the last time I read the season records because at this I don't point, think we, you nope. have
0: to read them. Just name the champion
1: and Dave, Dave, <laughs> Hastings, <laughs> Dave Hastings, ladies and gentlemen at 80, 47 and two, he's got it wrapped up five. He came in second place. I'm in third. Eric. You were in fourth. Damn. So I almost,
2: I almost got two right for every one wrong.
0: <laughs> you did good, sir. You did good. Congratulations. Yep. Mm. Got it. Damn,
2: gambling.
1: Like. <laughs> <laughs> and you ain't going to win anything. Nope. <laughs> oh, that was me on Sunday. That was me on Sunday. I was just like, birthday weekend, I'm throwing 50 bucks in. I got 10 bucks left. I'm done. All right. Anyway. So let's start. We will start with the AFC Championship game Cincinnati Bengals going into Kansas City. I feel like everyone kind of gave away what they were picking. Dave might have been the only one who didn't. I think between how Burrow's played the last half of the season and high ankle spring, right now I don't think Kansas City is going to be able to top what Cincinnati's bringing in. So I say Cincinnati is your AFC champion. Dave, who you got?
2: Well, I'm glad I didn't at least give it away. But, uh, yeah, I think we're all on the same page with this game. Um, obviously, if Patrick Mahomes is healthy, you know, we might be having a, a, at least a more extended conversation about this. Sure. Um, but I just – Fife said it perfectly, man. That injury – happening in game, you know, you get your shots or whatever the hell they are. Um, you know, you, you you got the momentum of being on the road, you know, being at home in a playoff game, in a close competitive game against a talented young team. I I just don't see I just I, I don't see how how Mahomes is going to be able to get through this game. I, the week is going to catch up, the the pain's going to get worse. Uh, the tightness, yeah, they're, they're, everything's against them. Um, which you know, Mahomes is one of those guys like you count him out, and then he, you know, goes and wins. But I don't think this week is that week, and I think we're we're looking at a, a Cincinnati uh, back-to-back visits to the Super Bowl. All
1: right, Eric,
0: Cincinnati, Fife.
3: Uh, I am going to pick Cincinnati. I listed all my reasons before. Um, And then also I am going to go ahead because I have to run into the ring. Team Yellow is playing tonight. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give you my NFC champion, which I regretfully, unfortunately, have to give to, uh, I think, the team that is a more complete team, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. Like what I thought Micah Parsons was going to do to Brock Purdy, that entire defensive front. For the Eagles is actually going to do the Brock Purdy. Um, and so I think it's going to be a Cincinnati Philly Super Bowl. And I already have my pick in mind of who's going to win that Super Bowl, but I'll wait until uh, we do that pick to give it to you.
1: Mm. Well, I think we all know who we don't want to win in that Super Bowl. So that <laughs> narrows it down.
3: <laughs> well, um, it, it, you know, there's a difference between who you want to win and who you actually think is going to win. Um, But, I mean, I'll give it away now. Fortunately for me, that all lines up. And, uh, you know, I just, I think Cincinnati's going to find a way to to win it all this year. A couple weeks ago, a buddy of mine put in his, uh, he does streams. uh, Shout out to FightingIrish underscore 57 on Facebook Gaming. Um, He does streams. He put in a vote in his his chat of who you thought was going to win the Super Bowl. And he did not list. He only had four options. He did not list the Bengals. So I did a type-in vote, and I told him I thought the Bengals were going to do it. Uh, And that was at the start of the playoffs. And I'm going to stick to that. I think the Bengals find a way to win the Super Bowl this year. Guys, I got to get inside. Team Yellow wins tonight somehow, some way. We're in third place in the league. Go, Um, team. Thank you, boys. Let's play hockey and go Devils.
1: Go Team Yellow, play hockey. Good luck, Fife. Thanks for being with us, buddy. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yep. All right. So that was Eric Pfeiffer with us here tonight. So we'll do San Francisco taking on Philadelphia. And Fife basically said it right there. I don't want to do this, but I will pick Philadelphia. Um, In all honesty, I mean, Dave, you said it earlier, Cowboys defense did hold Brock Purdy last week. So, a more complete team in Philadelphia, I, I don't think San Francisco really has a shot here. So, yeah, Philadelphia for me. Dave, who you got? Uh, I'm
2: taking San Francisco. Real Well, that's your team. But, uh, fuck the Eagles, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, and not to mention, like you said, I, I locked up first place. I don't give a shit. If I get this one wrong, fuck the Eagles. I'm taking San Fran.
1: Your lips to God's ear, my
0: friend. <laughs> Eric, who you got? Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to take the team that's going to win this game, and it's unfortunately going to be the Eagles. Hmm. All right. So those
1: are our picks for the conference championship game. Did you guys have anything else sports-related you wanted to talk to- about tonight? Dave, any basketball?
2: Uh, no, not really. Nothing big's really happened. Uh, LeBron still hasn't passed Will, but he's getting there. And uh, when he does, it's going to be quite impressive if we're being honest. Uh, I mean, that's a, a record nobody thought like Emmett's rushing record. Uh, that's a record nobody thought would be broken. And uh, here we are, probably maybe a week or
1: two away from it happening. Mm. Fair enough. All right, um, Eric, I feel like I know your comments here. Do you, do we want to talk about Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff making the Baseball
0: Hall of Fame? I mean, if you've got much to say about it, I'm just like, eh. I don't really care. To me, I'm over all of the Hall of Fames because they're all just the halls of the very good at this point. Like, you know, just wanna, it's all halls of nostalgia. It's not actually halls of uh, – you know, you know, the Hall of Fame, you know, these people, you know, you know, the game of baseball would be the exact same game of baseball with or without Fred McGriff or Scott Rowland. Like, I don't think they were difference makers in that way. Great players in their own respect in their time, but never the greatest player or even the greatest at their position. I don't remember off the top of my head at any time. Like, I can't remember. Where well, I like, oh, man, like, Scott Rowland's a top five baseball player. Like, Well, I could tell, so- I could tell you for Scott Rowland – Eight-time
1: Gold Glove winner, seven-time All-Star, top five in war for what that's worth as a third baseman. I Listen, I I said this earlier, and I'll say it again. I more believe that Fred McGriff is more of a Hall of Famer than Scott Rowland. I mean, the guy was three homers short of 500, and he played during the steroid era. For all we know, he's someone you look at and never thought he did steroids. So I always thought he belonged in Roland. I could kind of take or leave.
0: I could take or leave both of them. Neither of them moved the needle for me. Hmm. All right. I guess that's all we
1: need to say about that one. We can move on. Still no Alex Rodriguez, still no steroid guys and Carlos Beltran only got 46% of the vote. I can take or leave him too. All right. Um, I got something I want to throw in here real quick tonight. Um, So I had mentioned this to you guys in the group chat last week, and I want to bring it up here. You guys know I I was a big wrestling fan when I was a kid. I loosely follow it now. Uh, I'm not as big into it as I used to be, but every now and then a story sticks out to me that I feel the need to bring up on this show. Um, One of the bigger names in wrestling over the last 20 years that you guys probably have never heard of before uh, besides me saying it last week, because they've never been on WWE TV, were the Briscoe Brothers tag team, Jay and Mark. Uh, I've had the opportunity to see some of their promos in Ring of Honor. Uh, and there's some of the most hysterical and psychotic looking shit you'll ever see in your entire life. It's some really entertaining stuff. I bring this up because last week, Jay Briscoe, who would have been 39 tomorrow, Uh, died in a two-car accident. Uh, The driver in another lane veered into his lane. He was taking his daughters home from cheerleading practice. Head-on collision. He died. Both the girls were in critical condition. They both looked like they are going to pull through. They did suffer some debilitating injuries after it. And this was just something that stuck with me. I know we had the DeMar Hamlin thing a few weeks ago, and obviously we were all very affected by it. This one kind of hit me a little harder, if I'm going to be honest, probably because it's so clo- his birthday was so close to me and Eric's birthday. Eric, the dude was only four days younger than you. And this is a guy who, you know, him and his brother got to be this tag team where they basically played themselves. They were two chicken farmers and landscapers from Delaware. And if you look at the characters they played and the promos they did, they stood to their roots. They were all about family and everything. And they were able to do so much without a national stage. And they weren't even allowed to be on a national stage when AEW bought Ring of Honor last year because of some tweets that Jay had made a decade ago that were horribly homophobic tweets that he apologized for numerous times over the last decade and had done things to make right in the gay community. He actually had to donate two full paychecks. He wasn't making no WWE money, mind you. I don't think either of us could probably, I don't think any of us could really afford to have to donate two entire paychecks to anti-hate groups. He did that, made amends, with that community and a number of people came out in support of him, including a few gay wrestlers who said that Jay was nothing but great to them in their time, uh, together. And like I said, it just, it just hit me harder because y'all know I turned 40 this week. Eric again, dude was four days younger than you, you know, 1984 birth year. That's my sister was born. In September, cousin David is born in September of '84. That just hit me a little hard there. And I, I just I think it sucks that that happened. And again, this is a guy I didn't really watch that much of, but you follow wrestling, you hear the name Briscoe's. And it just, he did so much without having the national stage. And now he's never going to have that shot again. So I just wanted to bring that up here tonight. You guys, I don't know if you guys have anything you want to throw in.
2: I mean, may, may, may the man rest in peace. Um, I mean, I'm happy to hear his girls are alive, even with the de- debilitating injuries. Um, it's still always better to be above ground than below ground. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I get what you mean. And it really kind of, we get older and, and realizing that, uh, you know, there is an end date to, to this whole thing. So, um, yeah, sucks, man. And I- I'm sorry that it's affecting you the way that it is and prayers and thoughts to his family and friends. And, you know, may his girls make a full recovery because guarantee if he was still here and could trade his life for theirs, he'd do it in a heartbeat.
0: Mm-hmm. Eric. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, sad for you, Mike. I'm sad for his family. I'm sad for, I guess, the wrestling community. Not somebody I really knew, so I can't really speak to any of his wrestling stuff, to be honest. Didn't really know of him until you had texted us about him, so um, this is kind of more your wheelhouse. So I, this is where I kind of kind of feel bad for you and the wrestling community out there and um, for his family. But yeah, that's kind of, I don't like mm. I'm just, you know, kind of sad that uh, the way things
3: went.
1: Yeah, and um, Eric, I I know, I don't even know how I want to say this, but um, Warner Brothers is the network that is the company that owns TNT, and obviously we've talked about some of the changes they've made. An unnamed TBS executive, uh, Warner Brothers executive, is responsible for keeping the Briscoes off of TV. AEW wanted to do a tribute show last Wednesday night on Dynamite. They, to Jay Briscoe, and they weren't allowed to do that because of this unnamed Warner Brothers executive, yet the show that aired after Dynamite was Dana Wipe's Slat Fight. I think we all saw some of the videos that came out of that
0: one. I, I've, I've seen the highlights, and I'm now DVRing it because I just don't understand how, like, it's like to me watching another ridiculous. It's like, I can't believe somebody would be so stupid. Like I, I got to be honest, if I, I if I were to ever do that, I would I would I would be in my contract. I would have to go first. And if I don't <laughs> knock the guy out, I got to be honest, you win. I'm I'm walking away. <laughs> like, I'm I'm done. Like there's no, I'm not. I'm not like yeah. How stupid are you? And in the day and age of concussions and everything we know about head trauma, that yeah. we're literally going to put. How hard can you smack another human? Upside is not like if you hit somebody right in the temple, you could kill him. Like, are we like what? Like, what is the level of stupid you have to be to even get on this show? Like, like you can't Mm -hmm. tell me we have doctors and lawyers and everybody else coming in there and slapping the shit out of each other. Like, this isn't like real life people like me and you, Mike, having a disagreement, being like, all right, well, let's slap it out. Like, this is fucking like people actually going, hey, like, let's make some money. Like, let me see how hard I can smack you and then you smack me back. It's just stupidity on another level that I laugh at, I enjoy and i just can't believe that this is the, like this is the world we live in like you you can't tell me going into this you like you have to already know that you have brain damage or something and like it's mm-hmm. not going to get any worse like i'd have to be near vegetable status to to be to, to get in there and want to do this and like to try like I, this to me blows my mind to so know like that, that them not having a tribute is bullshit. The, the Warner brothers exact shows you why Warner brothers in certain aspects is still a, a clown show. I'm glad mm-hmm. that they at least have somebody good running DC now, and I'm not going to worry about the Warner brothers side of shit. Um, just, but
1: just, remember, just remember you already said it. I'll say it again. That's okay. If you did something bad 10 years ago that you've apologized for and showed genuine remorse for, you don't get a second chance Maybe go join Power Slap,
0: and they'll let you on the fucking show. No, but the thing is is that Warner Brothers has let people have a second chance because it was James Gunn who got fired by Disney for tweets he made 10 years or 12 years ago. And it was well, Warner famous. Brothers DC that picked them pieces. He
1: was, he was already famous, though. Jay Briscoe is someone only famous in no, wrestling I'm just, circles.
0: I'm just saying, though. But I, I'm not disagreeing with him.
1: I'm not disagreeing in Warner with Warner Brothers,
0: too. I'm just saying that whatever that Warner Brothers exec had against Briscoe, whether he didn't come up and shake the kid's hand and give him an autograph or something, like, I, I don't know. We don't know what the beef was. But all I'm going to say is I'm just happy Warner Brothers and D.C. are two separate entities now. And, uh, it, it, you know, and we're going to see what James Gunn and, and Peter Saffron could do with the other side. But to bring it back to Briscoe, to bring it back to all that, like, I, I the power slap nonsense, like, it, 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 them not allowing the AEW thing, and then the slap fight coming on after isn't hand in hand. It's not like one happened because of the other, but it just it just goes to show you the level of stupidity out there that well you said. don't want to you don't want to honor somebody who tried to do the right thing was like you said, not doing anything stupid, not out drinking, overdosing, doing something stupid. Who's driving his girls back from like a, you know practice or whatever, and. To have this tragedy happen like that's to me where I'm like you know that that's a nice you know as sad as it is it's a nice story too that he didn't die doing something shitty and you know you could have found a way to honor that but instead you've not only not honored that but instead you have the concussion fucking championship on right afterwards like to me it makes no sense and if oh you that's, what, video, it somebody, to that's what it needs to be just, called some people are just they're literally in a fucking stupor. Around the stage, like fucking walking, yeah. and then they they're allowed to get back up there. And like I'm like, how is this possible? And then how do you go for round two? Like, how much time do you allow? Do you allow them six months time before they're allowed to get slapped in the noggin again? Or are they up 10 minutes later against the next guy? Like, I gotta know the rules here on when the next when the next slapping is. Can't even to fight. It's a kind of fucking sissy ass bullshit, is this? No, Dana White's a smart businessman. He saw an opportunity here to make some quick money. It's good for him, but at the same time, how he could keep finding people so stupid, I, 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 I'm, it blows my mind. So, Dave, jump in here. You got any thoughts about Power Slap? Have you seen the highlights? If if not, are you going to like I did, go back and, and watch it and start watching it? I believe it comes on Wednesday night. But the level of stupidity here is just, uh, I I mean, astronomical.
2: Oh, I saw the highlights of the one girl where she fell backwards and then went to stand up and fell forwards and basically did a front (laughs) They were like, yeah, you're done. Um, But the sad part is I think if she just fell backwards, they would have helped her up, let her gain her balance, and then started the next round. So, yeah, Mm. I, I see what you're saying, and... Yeah, I'll watch highlights of it. I can't say it's something I'll, I'll I'll watch all in all. But also keep in mind, I don't have cable, so I can't record it.
0: <laughs> yeah, see, that's where, that's where the only way I would watch this is DVR, because I give two shits about whatever we're talking about in between. I just need to see the 10 seconds in which somebody gets slapped in the face. I'm going to fast forward to the next slap. I'm going to watch oh, yeah. this whole hour-long show in about five minutes every week. But that's okay, because I'm just it's me just getting the highlights every slap.
2: Hey, the more people that watch, the more they get paid. So why not help them out?
1: And that's why I'm I'm not because the, the
0: level of stupidity here doesn't deserve to be paid, Dave.
1: Like, I'm with I'm with Eric on that uh, one. Actually, like, yeah. it's
0: like I don't want you. I I don't want to make any slap fucking champion a millionaire. I got to be honest. Like, I don't know. Think, we, like I, like uh, we, like I, I just don't. I can't even fathom that. Oh yeah, how'd you become a millionaire? Yeah. Oh, How'd you make your money? Oh yeah, I got slapped in the face. The fuck? Like, are you are, are you fucking Chris Rock? Like, I don't understand this. I don't understand.
1: And you know how it really goes anyway. You know those guys wouldn't see the, the Boku money anyway. It'd be Dana White and the Warner Brother executives getting a big paycheck and they'd be paying the power slappers peanuts. Because that's how it goes with shit like that. So that I, I wouldn't I wouldn't watch that shit live. all right i think and rest in peace jay briscoe his brother mark's birthday was the day after and mark is actually going to be allowed to be on aew tomorrow night he's got a tribute match he's doing with jay lethal so they are at least allowing that but um
0: is it a power slap match
1: thankfully no if you take one look at Mark Briscoe, I'm telling you right now, you you would think he doesn't need to be power slapped. Because I'm telling you right now, you guys should check out these promos on YouTube if you get a chance. They are, I would put them on like the rock level promos. I would put them on Stone Cold level pl- promos. I would put them on flare level promos. They play the dueling banjos at the beginning of it. And you watch 30 seconds of this, you can see deliverance. You could definitely see that. They, Like I said, they're equal parts hysterical and psychotic. Like these guys you know look what,
0: like they could kill like five, six people by themselves. You know what show, though, is great where you can just watch mayhem and insanity and cheer it on and not have to feel bad for it. Dave, again, much better if you had cable so you could DVR it and fast forward because that's what I do. But it, it's a phenomenal show and it just started another season. This might be season nine, maybe ten, I don't know. Um Battle Box. Don't know if you guys have heard of it or watch it, but wait, it's on like wait, Discovery, it's, it's on bracket. history, it's on, yeah. They used to have it years ago. They've brought it back, like the last four years or so, they brought it back. And huh. They have like, and it's it's robot fighting time, and like you have these like little like mini tanks like just fighting each other and to the death, and it's either they <laughs> die or they you know it goes to the judges. But um, that's a fun show, and you don't have to feel bad because nobody actually gets hurt. But when you see like a three hundred pound like machine getting thrown thirty feet in the air, it's pretty fucking fun. <laughs>
1: I never got into Battle Bots, I must say, but I'm sure there's some serious carpal tunnel injuries that happen with them joysticks. Nothing? Okay. No, I'm sure there are. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, did you guys have anything else you wanted to bring up tonight?
2: I think I'm good.
0: Eric? Uh, yeah. No, I think I'm good for tonight trying to think if there's anything else like was but no I'm
1: good. Did anybody have any interest in the Oscar nominations that came out earlier today? I don't think I've seen too many Oscar nominated movies this year. But um what's her name, Angela Bassett got nominated best supporting actress for Black Panda, Panther Wakanda Forever so that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I can't say I pay much attention to Hollywood award shows. They make enough money off of me. Hmm.
0: He I like the no Razzies be- better, or at least the nominations for the Razzies better. Oh, they took some heat today. They took some heat. I can't
1: remember what movie they nominated, but they not uh, whatever actor they nominated was like twelve years old. So it was everybody, thirteen-year-old
0: was- girl, and a lot of people were yeah. like, "Oh, she shouldn't get nominated for a Razzie. Yeah. She's too young." Blah blah blah. Like you know, but at the same time, it's meant to be like. Not a farce seriously yeah yeah it's not it's not it's it's satirical at best it's like getting nominated by as best picture by the babylon b or you know the onion you know what i mean yeah. like it's like you know that's that's what it's equivalent to so i don't think people should really be that upset um as far as the oscar noms no nah, i don't have much thought on it other than you know obviously angela bass is probably going to win for, for her performance in black panther um and that's about all I really know. Other than that, uh, I really didn't see any of the other Oscar-nominated movies, although I wanted to. Oh, your um, movie? No, you saw
1: one of them. Your movie, Top Gun Maverick, got nominated for Best Picture.
0: Yeah, it's not going to win, though. It's a phenomenal movie, and I would vote for it, but I don't see the Academy voting for it. Um, But, and, listen, obviously Oscar-worthy. I mean, to me, it's, it was one of the best films I've seen in years. In years. So... I stand behind that. I've watched it multiple times and every single time it stands up. Mm. So uh, I was was surprised by that. Sorry. No, no. All good. And then, um, what was the other one that was, uh, yeah, no, I don't really have any other Oscar things, but yeah, no, Mm. that's, that's about it. Mm.
1: All right. Well then I think with that, we can get out of here for tonight. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us on our various podcasting outlets, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn, rates, like, share, subscribe, do all the things. Always thank you guys for supporting us. And I think, like I said,
0: yes? So uh, real quick, though, how weird is it going to be? And Dave, you too, how weird is it going to be? We got, what, three weeks left to talk about football? after next week, we really only have like one game left to talk about the Super Bowl. We're going to have to start getting into some hockey and some basketball here pretty soon. And I know that's me, too. I got to start diving more into it. Uh, try, I've been trying to follow Nixon Rangers as much as I can, but definitely need what? more. And then, Mike, we got pitchers and catchers coming real soon. So um, it's getting to be another exciting time of the year where even though football's winding down, we have a lot of other sports, including March Madness, starting to ramp up. So I'm excited for us kind of getting out of this football. I'm not going to call it a football funk because I always enjoy talking football, but just to get out of just football and start to get back to some of those other sports that we love, too.
2: Well, Eric, just to mention it real quick, the Devils haven't lost a game since the new year.
0: Huh. There you go. On another hot streak. Beautiful. I oh, I remember. That.
2: I know Fife says he hops in and listens to the end of the show to see what he missed. So I think he'd appreciate hearing that part. So that's for you, fight. Devils haven't lost the games. Since the new year started.
0: All right. Listen, I love it too. I believe it or not, I got my Devil's hat on right now.
2: I thought yeah, you to earned
0: that. Well, I, I yeah. was told to, but I, I don't listen. I, I still wear it. It's a nice hat and it's comfortable. <laughs> Although, Mike, I want to know, and I know you guys didn't sell them the lids, but I want to get one of them big hats. I want oh, to get yeah, a we,
1: we didn't have we didn't have those there.
2: Eric, you no,
0: I, there's a company. I know the company. I've been on their website. I'm going to get one eventually. Okay. Eric,
2: what? Yo, Mike, er, if Eric buys one of those hats, I say one month suspension without pay. I think it'll cost him about half a penny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I am going to defer to Dave on that one. You heard him. All right, I'll have to, <laughs> have to I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get out of here let's do some final thoughts dave hastings
2: uh since i'm on a f- uh five kick go team yellow and until next week
1: thanks
0: dave eric tressler stay sweaty my friends uh till next week when we uh start talking super bowl i can't believe Absolutely. the whole year the whole the whole season's gone by already
1: yeah it is crazy stay sweaty eric And I am Mike Aglioloro. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you all next week.